your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, because his word says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God. We give thanks to our Lord. It says, but thanks be unto him, be unto God, because he gives us the victory. He gives you the victory to stand strong even in the midst of opposition. He gives you the victory. We thank God even before we see the result because we know that he is our victor. And if he's our victor, then we already have the victory. So therefore, we know in faith we thank God ahead of time. So thanks be unto God who gives us who does he give the victory to but his beloved? He gives it to us, children of the Most High God. Because you are children of the Most High God, victory is promised to you. If victory is promised to us by the promiser, then what do we have to fear? What do we have to think? What, what option would the enemy try to offer other than anything but the opposite, right? Defeat, discouragement, oppression, fear, and on and on and on. But thanks be unto whom? God. Who gives me? Say, who gives me the victory? Say, I have the victory in Christ. I already have it. I have it before I need it. I have it before the battle is over. I have it. It's mine. We have the victory in Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. And then it goes on to say, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's verse 58, right? So knowing, first of all, it says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, therefore, my beloved. He says, first of all, thank me because I'm the one that gives you the victory. But then he says, okay, brethren, beloved, listen, I want you to be steadfast. So obviously we need to be steadfast because though we have the victory, we still need to hang on for that victory to actually come about for us to see the fullness of it. You can have a measure of it, but he wants you to have the fullness of it, right? It says be steadfast. So to be steadfast, to be steadfast means to be unwavering, to be determined, and to be unchanging. So we're going to be steadfast because victory has already been promised to us. So we're going to be steadfast, meaning we're going to be unwavering. Say, I'm going to be unwavering in my thoughts, in my emotions, in my words, right, in the things that I say. I'm going to be unwavering. I'm not going to waver. I'm going to be unwavering. I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to speak the abundance of God. So unwavering. And then it says determined. This is to define steadfast. Determined. You have to be determined to hang on to your victory because we've got a whole world right, that will try to rob you of your victory by telling you the opposite. And we must hang on to the truth. And it's going to require work. It's going to require steadfastness. It's going to require determination in your own minds, in your own thoughts. It's going to require ourselves to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. The word of the Lord says, but thanks be unto God who gives me the victory. I already have the victory. So whatever it is that I might face, I already have the victory ahead of time. I already have the promise. You have the promise. So uh, determined. We have to be determined. If you're not determined, you get stolen from. But we're going to be determined. Say, I'm determined. And then unchanging. Unchanging. You're not going to change. It's not like today you're here and you're believing, and then tomorrow you're up and down. No, you're, you're up. Say, I'm up, and I'm going to remain up. 
I'm not up and down. There was a day that you were up and down. There was a day that you walked all over. You were all over. Your emotions were all over. But now you're up. Say, I'm up. And I'm standing on the word. I'm victorious. Victory is mine. In the name of Jesus. That means before you see the fulfillment of, your, of what you're praying for, maybe even with health, you're already victorious. Right? That means before you see the financial breakthrough, you're already victorious. Right? That means before, before all your children return home, return to Jesus, you know, get saved and, and get delivered and start living for Jesus, you're already victorious. You're already living the life that God promised you to live, which is a life surrendered to him, full of joy, full of faith, and completely surrendered into the lordship of Jesus Christ. Already. It's already yours. It's already mine. Amen. So be steadfast. That's what steadfast means. That's what steadfast means, right? And then it says immovable. Immovable means fixed, secure, and stable. Fixed, secure, and stable. I will be immovable. The Lord is immovable. In other words, his word doesn't change, right? So in a way you can say the Lord and his word is immovable. It doesn't change. So therefore, I too am going to be immovable. I'm not going to change like a shifting shadow. So powerful to see how he shows us in his word how to stand strong in him. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Remember, we just got done saying that victory is ours. He says victory is yours in Jesus. And then we go through these lists of things that we need to do in order to keep that victory. He told you ahead of time you're victorious. And then he says, now, listen, I want you to make sure you keep these. Normally, if you're victorious, it's like you're cheering and you're shouting because you just won the game. Or is something great just happened, and you're at the you're at the other end, and so you're rejoicing. But in the in the Christian walk, we need to rejoice before we see the the end result. And he helps us, and he tells us exactly how to do it. He says, "Listen, I want you to trust in me," saith the Lord, "that you're victorious. I'm promising you victory. And so, in order for you to see the fullness of that victory, I want you to be steadfast. I want you to be immovable. Right? I want you to be. Uh, do not be shaken." Be stable, be fixed, be unchanging, right? And then he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because this is where some people miss it. They all, oh, this is too hard. This is too difficult. And serving the Lord or, you know, or uh, being in a, in a position in church. Or, it's too hard. It's too, the, uh, the, the attacks and the opposition is too much. It's, I'm going to serve God all by myself over here in my house. I don't need this. And, you know, people say that and people do that too. And it's not God. Oh, I don't need that. You know what? I, I can serve God anywhere I go. I can just be at my own home, my family, myself, and we'll just serve God there because the opposition got so hard. And they're like, you know what? Do we really need this? No, we don't. Yes, you do. Just as much as being required in your life to die, to have a, the mindset of Christ and to literally walk through the fires knowing you're not going to be burned. Just as, as much as being required of you, also what's being cut off and, and, and pruned and, and removed from you, at the same time, you're also gaining compassion. You're also gaining the ability to be steadfast. You're also gaining the authority and the anointing to stand strong in your position because you didn't move. Victory is ours, but you cannot move. You got to be steadfast, knowing that God would never say the promise is victory. I'm promising you victory. Church, he's saying, I'm promising you victory in every area of your life. I'm promising you my hand upon your business, victory, but you can't shift and when every time the giants seem to appear, because giants are always going to appear. But you can't shift. You can't look at them and let them cause you to, be, to, to move. So this is why I'm saying that it takes work. It takes diligence, right? 
always abounding of the work of the Lord. If the Lord tells us always abounding in my work, then we need to be faithful and say, you know what? When we signed up for Christianity, when we say yes, and we said yes, I want to. I want to give my life to, for the gospel. I want, to, I want to serve the Lord. Lord, do whatever. Use me. You guys all remember that time and you guys all prayed that prayer. Lord, use me. I don't care anywhere. Just send me. Use me. And then he starts doing it. And then he starts doing it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is too difficult. This is too hard. I don't like that person. Hey, it would be okay if it wasn't for the people. But the word says always abounding in the work of the Lord because it's about the people. Because God's heart is about is about raising up the people. It, because God's heart is about don't leave them where they're at, but help them pick them up because you were there too. Because there was a day you were down and thank God, God sent somebody to pick you up, right, to help you along, right. So it's about the people. Because it's about the people, it also goes and shows you the areas that we need to still heal and grow and change. But victory is ours. We already promised it. We're already promised it. And maybe it's not in a church setting, but maybe it's in a home setting. Maybe it's a loved one at home. You know, it's the same thing, people. It may not be, hey, I'm not serving at church. I just come, I, sh I serve and, yes, I pray. But, I mean, I'm not in a position. Well, you're in a position more than you realize. First of all, by just showing up, you're here, and you represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And because you show up, it's like the army of God shows up with you. So you actually are more in a position than you realize. And titles have nothing to do with this. That's number one. Number two, you have other areas that God has also put in your air of responsibility, and it could be your family members, people that God is expecting you to be that person that's going to be steadfast, right? People that, that, that God says, I want you to be immovable. I want you to be steadfast. I want you to be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And sometimes family is the hardest. But at the same time, the reward is the greatest. The reward is so great, church. And so if we're going to be obedient to the word, it says always abounding in the work of the Lord. Listen, it's, it's like a setup. Hey, you have victory. Victory is yours in my name. I'm promising you the victory. And by the way, be steadfast. And by the way, don't change. Don't move. Be immovable. And by the way, always be doing the work of the Lord. It's kind of like a setup, but it's a holy setup. It's a setup that promises us that no matter what, we have the strength because God is with us. And if we have his heart, then we're going to see the, the, the good fruit come forth about this, right? So always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then it says knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Isn't that comforting? In other words, it's not going to be empty. It's not going to, and it may seem like, oh my goodness, next, next. And it may seem like it's just wearing on you, but it's not in vain when you do what God has called you to do. Now, if you're doing what God has not called you to do, then your exhaustion is because you're in, in an area God never spoke for you to be in. So, but when, that's why it says in the Lord. Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, right? So Gideon, he felt, he felt inadequate for the job that he was called to do, but God. In Judges 6.14, if you have your Bibles, just turn quickly to Judges 6.14. Because there's this one part of that, of that scripture, just this one line in that, and that I really want to highlight. Because the Lord was saying, I want you to highlight this to them. Because although Gideon felt inadequate for the job that was before him, that God told him to do, okay, you may feel inadequate, maybe you feel frustrated, maybe you feel tired, maybe you're fatigued, whatever it might be. But at the same time, if God's called you to it, God is going to equip you for it. So God literally said, go in the strength that you have. That's it. There, there's more to the scripture. But that's the part that God highlighted. Go in the strength that you have. 
Number one, we see from this scripture that you already have strength. You may not know it. You may not feel it. You may not even agree with me. But you have strength because God says, I am your strength. He literally is your strength. If you're walking with him, he's your strength. Go in the strength that you have. So number one, you have strength. Even if you don't think you do. You have strength because this is what the word of the Lord tells us, right? Christ in me, the hope of glory. He is my strength. He is my salvation. He is my fortress. Amen. So go in the strength that you have. Number one, you have strength. Number two, he says go. He says go in that strength. I want you to work in that strength. I want you to be in that strength. I want you to go and do in that strength. I want you to go and speak in that strength. I want you to go and act in that strength because you have it. We have the strength. And that strength is of the Lord. The enemy will tell you, no, you don't, and you can't because you were raised in such and such a family because your mother is still this and your father is still that. That's enough of that. Enough is enough. But God, say, but God, I'm going to go in the strength that I already have. And as I go, number three, as we go in the strength that we already have, God gives more. God gives more when you use what you have. It's a, it's a biblical principle. The more that you use, the more that you get. The more you have, the more he gives, right? If you're going to use the gifts that he gives you, then you're going to see those gifts grow. It's a, it's a principle, church. The more that you give, God sees your faithfulness. Guess what? You receive. God is going to make sure that more is added unto your account. It's a principle. It's a biblical principle. And it works all across the board and in every way. Right? Go in the strength that you have and you trust God for the increase. Let's turn to Romans 8, 11. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Hallelujah. If he dwells in you, if he inhabits you. Are you being inhabited by the breath of God? When we are inhabited by the breath of God, the spirit of God, then it says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead will literally inhabit my being, inhabit me 100%. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. He's also giving resurrection life, life empowering life to your mortal bodies through the same spirit who dwells in you. So the same spirit, say the same spirit is rejuvenating me. The same spirit is anointed me. He is anointing me. The same spirit qualifies me and makes me alive. I'm alive in Christ. You're alive in Christ, right? So your faith in God qualifies you to being an overcomer. Our faith in believing this written word, but taking action on your faith is going to bring you into victory. 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith is giving us the victory. Our faith in God qualifies us to be an overcomer. Your faith in this written word qualifies you to be an overcomer. Then taking action on that faith brings me into the victory. That's the part sometimes people miss. They're like, oh, I have faith. But if you have faith, you need to also have works. Because they do work hand in hand. We're not talking about for your eternal salvation right now. But we are talking about your walk. We're talking about, we're talking about the fullness of your walk. right? We're talking about you receiving the gifts of God. The, the tangible presence of God. We're talking about everything God wants to give you today. Faith, we have to have faith. It's the only way we please God. 
right? And it's because of our faith in him that we are overcomers because not everybody has faith in Christ. And if they don't have faith in Christ, are they really an overcomer? No. You have to have faith in Christ in order for you to be an overcomer. Then you are an overcomer. The word says you are more than a conqueror, right? The word has many, many scriptures that we can back this up with. You're more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. But that's your position in Christ. This is what God says. This is positionally yours. This is positionally yours to literally be an overcomer. What you do with that now will determine if you see the fruit of that faith. Faith will produce fruit. If you see the fruit of that faith, then you know that it's not just positionally that you've understood this position of overcoming faith because of Christ in you, but now you actually put action to that faith. You actually put feet to your faith. You literally understand, I'm going to take action on this faith, and this faith is going to bring me into the victory that I've already been promised. Victory is ours. God does not lie. We already read it in 1 Corinthians 15. But praise be unto God who gives me the victory. He, the victory has already been given. The, the, the question is, have you received it? Not just in faith, but have you put feet behind it? Because that's when you see the result. So this is a powerful scripture here because for whatever is born of God, when we are born of God, and we are, we've been born of God, it says we overcome the world and this is the victory. Wow, we were born of God. All you did was say yes to Jesus means you were born of God. Immediately, you were qualified to being an overcomer. Immediately. Oh, you said yes. You said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you in my heart. You, you, you made that declaration, that heartfelt declaration. And what you probably didn't know at the time but came to find out later on, because most of us when we say that prayer don't know the, the depths of what we've just prayed, right? But God does. He's got so many things in store for us. He knows. Right? He knows that there will be a point in time in your walk where you're going to realize what you committed to and how good it is. How good he is. Right? And so, so here it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. When we were born in him, when we were born anew, when we were saved, what was promised other than the salvation of our souls and the forgiveness of our sins, which would have been enough. But God says, no, I want to give them an overcoming walk here on earth. I want to give them victory here on earth. I'm going to position them so that they literally walk in abundance here on earth if they can only learn to grab a hold of these promises and walk them out. That's our job. We step in and go, okay, Lord, I see what you're saying. Victory is mine for the taking. Positionally, I am victorious, but I will see it as I put faith to my feet. But it is something that we learn. It is something that you start start to understand because when you first get saved, sometimes you're thinking it's supposed to all just happen and it's not. It's not. Somebody told you everything was just going to be perfect after you got saved and they lied to you. That is not true. That's not that's not Christianity. But 1 Corinthians 10:13 says, "But God is faithful. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear." 1 Corinthians 10:13. So it says, "No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God is faithful, church. You can't say this is too much. I can't handle this. It's too much. Yes, 
God gives you the strength you need to carry out what you need to carry out to bring you to the complete fulfillment to for you to walk in the fullness of victory. Amen. Moses was an overcomer. And in Exodus 4, if you want to look that up, but Exodus 4, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He says, who am I? So he didn't have this, hey, step over, let me do the job attitude, right? He, had, he was humble. It's in Exodus 4.10. Go. This is, what, this is what the instruction of the Lord was. Go, and I will be with your mouth. Isn't that interesting how he told him that? Not I will be with you. Of course, he's going to be with us. But specifically, he said, go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. God wants you to be victorious. He wants all of us to be victorious. He wants us to walk in victory. We represent the king of kings. We represent the almighty God. And too much of the church walks defeated. But victory is theirs for the taking, for the understanding, and to do it his way so that you literally walk in it. But too much of the church walks in, in defeat, in discouragement, in unbelief, in, in lack, right? And a lot of the church has become used to it, and it's a status quo, and they feel like, well, a good Christian is just going to be okay with this um, less of life, quality of life, or just... Um, unhappiness, you know, fear, sickness, whatever it might be. There's a lot of in the church that have settled and they think this is being a good Christian. Just accepting your lot. Well, you got to carry your cross. And they'll be totally misusing that word and misunderstanding and taking it out of context. But actually, God has promised you victory. But actually, God has promised you strength. Actually, God says, if I can just get your mind to come into alignment with my word, your body and your life would come into alignment too. And everything in your life will actually change and follow suit. Everything, everything. A merry heart is doeth good like medicine. A lot of times when you're sick, you're, you're down and you're just, and you want to say all the negativities, all the negative things because you're sick. But a merry heart doeth good like medicine and discouragement and dread. And every evil negative thing dries up your bones. Is this a promise? Absolutely. It's a, it's a promise, right? So, and we believe in healing and we see people get healed all the time. So I'm speaking to the right audience that does know, understands that God is the healer. But what about in the process, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your pain, before you see the fullness sometimes, because some people get healed instantly and sometimes some take a little bit of time. But God is still the healer and God is still doing his work. But what about the process of time? This is when you get to apply this scripture. And, and what I'm speaking about today is reminding yourself, I'm already victorious. Before I see the end result, I'm already victorious. Before I see that healing fully come, come to pass, I'm already victorious. And so I'm going to make sure my mouth doesn't speak what the enemy wants me to speak. And maybe even what my body wants it to speak. But I'm going to speak the word of God. Right? Right? We're going to speak that a merry heart 
doeth good like medicine. So I'm going to make sure that what comes out of my mouth is aligned with what gives joy and what gives peace and what is uplifting and what is honorable and what is good and what is right. And as I do that, my heart starts to receive that. And as my heart starts to receive the truth, my body starts to come into alignment and my body is getting healed with every spoken word that is in alignment with the word of God. Does this make sense? This is how it's supposed to be. Try it. You try it. And this is just in this one area. And I just recently had this discussion with somebody. And literally, they took this advice and they started to change. They literally started to change. And, and instead of walking in with a down, heavy, sorrowful, long face, I said, make a choice to walk in with a smile. Make a choice to get rid of that. And what happens is that our body starts to come into alignment with truth and we receive the fullness. But if everybody was to do that, could you imagine, could you imagine what you also bring in? You bring in the joy. You bring in that victory. And when you bring in victory as one individual, and then when 10 people come in and they bring in that victory, and then when 30 and 40 and 50 and everybody walks in bringing in that victory, guess what you just brought into the room? Victory, right? The joy of the Lord. Guess what kind of an environment that is where God can move in powerful ways because he sees, oh, this is a pleasant aroma. This is the language of the king. This is my language, saith the Lord, because they're walking in with faith. They're walking in fully prepared knowing that victory is theirs and now they're going to receive it because they're walking in a position of expectation. So we receive what we expect. If you expect God to move, he's going to move. We receive what we expect. If you're waiting for a doctor to do something, then you can just wait. You may or may not receive it from him because he's not God. God is unchanging. And he, in his word, says you will receive what you expect to the level of your expectation. Right? To the level of your faith, you will receive. To the level of your faith, your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Jesus said these different phrases over and over and over in different ways because faith is what moves the mountains. So to the level of your expectation is to the level of your which you're going to receive. I talk about faith often. I talk about healing because you know what? If I talk about a certain topic, you're going to have you're going to grow in faith in that area. And and it's the word that gives us faith. We hear the word, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As we hear the word, then faith in that area is going to grow. Whatever I talk about, whatever you're listening to, faith in that area is going to grow. If faith in that area grows, then you're being set up to receive in that area. It's intentional. So that you can receive. So that you can walk in the fullness of everything God has for us. But it carries out in every area of your life. This, what I'm talking to you about today carries out in every area. And it all started with the very first scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be unto God. So we're going to thank God even before we see the victory because it's already been promised to us. We're going to thank God because victory is ours and we're going to be faithful to be steadfast, to be immovable, to be unshakable, right? We're going to stand for firm, always, always doing the work of the Lord, no matter what. What else do you have? When you give your life to Jesus and you realize, wow, I get to give. I get to give my life. I get to spend my life. You know, for Christ and for his, his church. Because there are people that need to hear the gospel from you. They need to hear, they need to receive prayer from you. That encouragement from you. There are people that need to hear from you. That you need to be in that position to, re, to literally help them, right? 
So when you say, wow, Lord, yes, I give my life to you. Now use me for your vessel, right? Use me. I'm yours. And then, and then you, start, you start walking in that. You realize how vital you are in the kingdom, every one of you. You already have the faith, already have the victory. You will walk in it. Your faith will grow, and you'll see more and more of God's glorious outcome, his promises coming forth. You'll see it. But never underestimate, never forget, never take your eyes off of the fact that God is using and working through you.